We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, CMOS girlies. Happy Tuesday. Kate and I are back with another podcast episode today on clean beauty. Um, how are you doing, man? Doing good. Emma and I hung out on Friday, which I forgot to even put out in our intro notes here. Um, of course, we over we overplan like our, uh, you know, like things we're going to do. We're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go get dinner. Then we're going to go out. Uh, little listeners, little listeners, I was going to say listeners, that did not happen. Um, so Emma and I met after she got done with work, decided to city bike over the bridge, which don't know how we did. Neither of us had gloves and the wind was freezing. Um, we made it to a Polish restaurant that Emma scouted out. Um, I don't know how you found it. If you want to share with the listeners. I honestly think I typed in, well, we were going back and forth about what type of cuisine we wanted and we knew we wanted to be in Brooklyn for some reason, which also was kind of random because we're always in Brooklyn and kind of complain about it at times. But anyway, I just typed in best Polish restaurants in Greenpoint. And one thing about Kate and I is that we love really janky restaurants that are not sceny and like not aesthetic at all. And so this restaurant, I don't even remember what it's called. I think it was like Karzma. It was this Polish restaurant, pretty authentic, I would say, but like the decor was so kitschy and so literal. I felt like I was brought back to the Midwest and was sitting in some sort of pizza ranch, perhaps. Yeah. Um, It was was a goofy, it was goofy. It was giving pizza ranch slash like medieval Renaissance establishment. Like I pointed out one of the waitresses had like one of those super long, like kilt looking skirts on and like clogs. I was like, yeah, this is, this is uniform vibes. Like they're having uniform for a themed dinner. Um, so that was good. We ordered a huge meat plate in which a few of the CMOS girl DM me like, it's so funny you're vegan and now you guys are eating like meat. They also had some crazy appetizers on their Yelp. If you're curious, I'll send whatever the name is spelt in Geneva if anyone cares. But some of the photos on Yelp was like raw meat with like asparagus spears. We did not order that, but that would have been a funny Instagram moment if we posted that too. Yeah, overall, 10 out of 10. I would go back. I don't know when I will go back. But yeah, then we went home. We were going to maybe try to go to a bar, but it was 730 and our hands were so cold. So 
we subwayed back because we just could not do the bridge cam. But yeah, it was fun. Very random of us, but happy that we caught up. Um, we're going to get into our other intro topics. And we both have some beverages on here that we're going to discuss. But I guess mine first is... So Another swimming girlies, update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So girlies, for the girlies who know, I've been swimming. And there's a group of men. It's a very diverse group of men at the Metropolitan Pool in Williamsburg that I've been practicing with. And they practice together like at 715 uh, Monday through Friday. And I think they all just met each other there. And so I've been swimming with them. And I've just been, you know, going last just to respect the men because I just don't want to like, you know, be too out there, I suppose. And the other day they were like, Emma, you should go first and like lead the pack. And so I led the pack and it felt so good to like finally like swim fast and show all these men that I am capable of keeping up because I am faster than them, but I don't know. And yeah, I have new friends now and it's, it's so special. They're goofy cats. I'm definitely the youngest. They're all like in their forties, but you know, I, for some reason get along really well with older people, especially yeah, of that age group, which is, I don't know, sad perhaps, but yeah, it's a good time. Love to hear it. Uh, my next bullet is I'm entering my woo-woo era. So I posted on my Instagram today, picked up this book that I've been wanting to read for a very long time. It's called Why Woo-Woo Works. It's by a guy that got his PhD in chemistry and worked in the pharmaceutical industry. He kind of opened his mind up to alternative modes of healing, things like Reiki, crystals, about like a fourth of the way books into the book. So I'm not that far yet. But he goes through like the myths that typically come from the Western establishment about alternative modes of healing. And it's very interesting coming from his perspective, right? Like he's been in the pharmaceutical industry. He's thought that like all of this stuff is crazy. And now he's like, wait, the efficacy around this stuff is really good. Um, The intro talks about the power of like placebo. And I've been really harping on that point of pain because I'm coming off an injury, obviously, and not trying to make it my whole personality, but I've been learning a lot about pain regulation and what's the difference between pain and injury. What's the difference? Like what's the mind body connection really when it comes down to injury? Um, As you can imagine, like if you guys listen to health and wellness podcast, they always talk about inflammation and like injury is a form of inflammation. So I've always been going around like the supplement rabbit hole that way. But another thing that I was listening to is the Ezra Klein podcast had an episode about pain and the author wrote this book that was kind of differentiating like what injury is, what pain is, how much of it is your mind. Like if you, they've done a lot of studies of like, if you don't focus on your pain and you make yourself busy, your actual pain tolerance goes up. Um, And like I said, back in that book about like the power of placebo. So like if I were to go, let's say buy some fancy extra strength, like turmeric like turmeric probably has healing properties but if i had a placebo pill that i thought it was some really powerful turmeric it would help me out um and there's significant research saying that like this can help people with chronic pain and people with different injuries like get out of it faster um so it's been really interesting for me to like kind of push my mind obviously like physical pain like on paper like i have a stress fracture so there is something there um but it's just been a really interesting way to think about it i've also been getting in my like true white man like bro health bro shit of like listening to david goggins who's like if you don't know like an ultra marathon or like very extreme like freak athlete and then also like wim hof and like the wim hof method around like breathing um so those things have been very interesting like wim hof for example he sat in an ice bath for two hours um they actually there's a study that they gave him um bacteria of e coli and he presented no symptoms on like blood results of like having the pathogen like when it was given to him and stuff like that and beyond just him he started doing like coaching because people are like okay well you're just a freak guy that can do all this stuff he coached like 12 people and 
none of them had the E. coli thing either. So I don't know. It's just been interesting to like challenge kind of like what we know about our body and like get to know your body more because I think a lot of times with injury, pain, disease in the Western medicine, you know, establishment, it's often like take this pill to get rid of the pain. And we don't think about like why pain manifests and what else you can do about it. So um, yeah, if you're looking down any like rabbit holes of pain literature, I got you girlies. I've been listening to all of it and it's been very interesting. Love that. But I feel like these are all new interests for you. Yeah. Um, very cool. Uh, yeah, I might have to try that book out. I am trying or forcing myself to enter back into my reading yeah. era and it's difficult. I was talking to someone earlier today about how difficult it is because we all probably have undiagnosed ADHD because of TikTok and we all need to like be doing things constantly. Um, yep. But anyway, I want to also talk about the coconut cult banana bread yogurt because yeah. we both got sent that from Noah and I I swear, just every single time I get a new yogurt from from the Coconut Cult people, my love for them just grows more and more yeah. and more. And this is my PSA to the CMOS release that if you are able to afford it, definitely buy it. It's probably the most like highest quality probiotic yogurt on the market, I yeah. would say. And it's definitely I treat it more as a as a supplement versus like an actual food source. Yeah. So you can think of it that way to kind of justify the spending cost. But I decided to actually make my own coconut yogurt because it's pretty easy and I was like you know what I wanted never-ending supply I want to try my own tasty yogurt so I'll let you know I'll know how it goes I have it fermenting in my in my closet right now because my apartment's my really cold and there's not really any hot spots in my and a lot of people say on the internet that you can just turn on your oven light and let it sit in there but my kitchen is probably the coldest room in my entire apartment. And yeah. I just know that even if it sits in there, it's not going to get to the temperature that needs to get. So this might be a total failure, but I'm very excited for the results. Um, That's awesome. Let, let us know. Definitely. I feel like you and I have a weekly like random fucking thing like <laughs> that we're updating on, whether it be like my bone broth or this. Um, I haven't done my gelatin gummies yet, so I'll keep you guys updated on that. But are you doing the thing where you just like cut open two probiotic pills? Is that your yeah, method? well, because Noah from the Coconut Cold, he actually has a guide on how to make oh, yeah. your own coconut yogurt, and it's basically that process. It's taking some sort of coconut base. You can add whatever flavorings you want. So I did the cacao, and then I think some like coconut sugar, and then yeah, you do like freeze dried probiotics. So for anyone who's going to make probiotic yogurt, um, you definitely want it to be something that's like shelf stable versus one that's to be refrigerated because it's going to be sitting out of refrigeration for yeah. like forty eight hours, and you want it to still live um and then yeah you just let it ferment yeah I definitely tried this in high school when I was 17 and I don't think it worked in any way it just tasted like something rotten when I got it out of its little fermentation station but I don't think I had quite the brain cells that um you and I have now so I think I'm looking forward to it um my last thing is I (laughs) just like on on a little bender when it comes to the health and wellness like supplement thing I think your point about this will come up too of like wanting to actually have health products like I looked at my pantry the other day and I was like all I have in terms of like condiments and spices is like Mary's crackers and like one nut butter like I don't have a bunch of things and this is not me saying you have to get a bunch of things but I like just wanted to live my health and wellness truth so I got a paycheck and I was like I'm just gonna go to the health store and like buy the things that I always look at and then I never get you know what I mean like instead of going and buying a new dress I bought new supplements and new pantry things so one of the things I got uh, is beetroot juice. It's one of the most studied uh, like um, compounds when it comes to, uh, I think it's nitric os- 
nitric oxide, which is something that helps endurance athletes keep oxygen in your lungs and muscles for longer, not lungs, muscles for longer. So that's been one that's just like for athletic performance. Uh, the next one, L-glutamine back on that train was listening to a podcast about joints and ligaments and stuff like that. Recommended that tart cherry juice, um, came across that again for the sleep protocol across a lot of people like tart cherry juice. I need to make a meme about it. Cause I think it's having a little bit of a moment right now, but also like our window and our echo chamber is probably pretty small because I thought co- I thought cottage cheese was having a moment and I'm like oh wait that was just the two people that you and I both follow <laughs> I guess and then liquid turmeric I've had you know like I've bought like turmeric pills before but I bought liquid because I was like I want to put these in my gelatin ice cube tray things so those were my fun purchases of the week you know just spending a luck a cheeky little like hundred dollars on some supplements yeah tart cherry juice does slap i have been still drinking my bedtime cocktail i have another beverage too um i've been drinking matcha a lot more i don't know why but i like had the craving for it and i decided to do the coconut butter matcha which i know cap beauty kind of popularized for girlies who don't know cap beauty kate used to work there in their west village location but Rest in peace. it's basically just a hippie clean beauty like health and wellness blog yeah. website that's the best way to describe it it was half, um, um also it had like a spa so it was like the employees it was half like estheticians and then half just like retail girlies so yeah yeah but anyway they're obsessed with putting coconut butter in in their beverages so i've been doing that with coconut butter honey uh collagen and then all my random adaptogens that i've been getting from duels because they're dirt cheap yeah. and it's been really good and yeah, it's been nice to not be so heavily reliant on purely coffee. I definitely mm-hmm. feel that the whole, you know, matcha giving you sustained energy is actually, in fact, true. Wow, I love that. I definitely have some matcha from gold from a long time ago that I've never used. So maybe I get in my matcha. I've just been bone broth. I've been popping. I've been kombuching, And I don't know why I'm adding ing, like their verbs. But those are my like beverages. And I thought about making a TikTok. I saw someone do it of like, here's all the beverages I've drank throughout the day. But I know the comment section would just be like, you're spending so much money on beverages. And I'm like, look, can I not make a cheeky video on the internet? <laughs> like, what the hell? So I didn't make that video. But CMOS girlies want to know. I'll let you guys know privately, I suppose. Um, that gets into this episode. It's funny you bring up cat beauty because that was a lot of my introduction into health and wellness. As Emma said, it was like a hippy dippy clean beauty store. We also sold like snacks and foods and that's where I learned about adaptogens and like clean skincare. I had to get to know every single brand that we stocked, like when customers would come in when I was working retail. And that's kind of when I learned, I think specifically about adaptogens and about like Eastern medicine and clean beauty. I kind of worked in the store and I'm going to talk about like stores that are clean beauty stores. Um, you just kind of assume like everything is quote safe and good and you don't really question it because like it was a small boutique and so the owner decided like vetted the brands versus like a Sephora where they like let everyone in. Um, So it was definitely an interesting dynamic and I think once I worked there for a little bit I kind of assumed like everything in here is good like I said again and it didn't I didn't really question like what the word clean meant what the word natural meant what the world organic meant until I kind of got out of it and I worked there in like 2018 so I think the whole sphere of clean beauty has changed a lot which i'll talk about like more brands are trying to be clean because they feel this like consumer push so i'm very excited for this episode even though it's like not really a wellness episode it is but it's more lifestyle ish i guess yeah i think it's good that we're doing this episode this is definitely an area that i don't put much thought into when it comes to my own personal skincare routines and I think just because it's so overwhelming and I just, my mental capacity is slim, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I actually learned a lot in this episode and I think you guys are all going to enjoy this one. 
yeah, let's get into it. Let's chat about clean beauty. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Meet Huel, the first nutritionally complete plant-based protein powder. Today, we're focusing on Huel Black Edition, which is a protein supplement that includes 27 essential vitamins and minerals and 40 grams of protein per serving. I love adding it to smoothies and yogurt bowls for extra nutrients to support my lifestyle. One reason why we love Huel is that their mission is to create complete, convenient, affordable food with minimal impact on animals and the environment. All of Huel's products are vegan and have a one-year shelf life to reduce food waste. That's a win in our books. They even make it easy to adjust your serving size easily and know exactly what and how much you are putting into your body. Possible benefits of Huel includes things like vitamin C to support your immune system, omega-3s for a healthy heart, iron for maintaining energy levels, magnesium to support teeth and bones, protein to support muscles and bones, vitamin B12 to support metabolism, zinc for healthy hair, skin, and nails, and lastly, fiber to support digestive health. So if you want to try out Huel for yourself, you can use Huel.com backslash CMOS, which includes a free t-shirt and shaker with purchase. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
All right, let's talk about clean beauty. So I'm going to put on my politics hat for a little bit. I haven't worn her in a while, so sorry if I'm a little bit rusty. I'm going to talk about the history of Congress and laws and regulations and what's been going on with clean beauty. Um, If you're coming from a context out of the side of the United States, I'll try to explain like government structures and even even it's a good refresher for everyone to kind of know how stuff works. So um, when it comes to laws around beauty products, they're obviously not going to be the same about supplements, which we have talked about in like every episode. So the laws around beauty products haven't actually changed since they were first put into law. And the first law on the books in Congress, which is a federal government branch in the United States, they passed the Food, Drug and Cosmetics Act on June 25th, 1938. Um, 1938 was like pre-World War II. It was like pre-any sort of preservatives that we had. And you can imagine that most makeup that you can buy anywhere now was made after 1938. Like even if there was mascara in 1938, um, definitely not still using that same form of it. So the laws are extremely outdated. And according to the Environmental Working Group, which is a nonprofit group, which I'll talk about towards the end of the episode, the average woman uses 12 products containing over 168 different ingredients every single day. And it's crazy. Even if you take a bunch of supplements, you're not taking 168 different things. Um, even if you're you're eating food, you're not eating 168 ingredients in food, even if you're eating processed stuff. Like that seems extremely hard to get to. Um, and so when you think about all those ingredients right now, it's on the consumer to know what you're putting on your body. Um, so for an example, comparison globally, the EU has banned over 1300 different ingredients in cosmetics and the United States has only banned about 11. So we are really far, far behind in the U S as we are in many other things. And there's only a growing body of evidence from scientists and people that are studying the beauty industry that we need tougher regulations to catch up with like the times and all the brands now and like all the, all the knowledge that we have about carcinogens, different toxic ingredients. So to start things off, um, there's no legal definitions for what clean, natural, or a green beauty product is. So you might see on two different websites, they say that they're a clean beauty brand. They're using that in their own individual ways. There's no like definition of what that even means. So that's why a lot of these labels can be useless, but I'll talk about the ones that have a little bit of like substance in them. So recently though, there have been a few bills passed into the Senate to try to get this industry regulated. Feinstein and Collins are two senators. They introduced what's called the Personal Care Product Safety Act into the Senate. It would empower the FDA to regulate cosmetics, which would help protect consumers against these harmful ingredients. As an example, they kind of gave like a five unsafe ingredients they wanted to target. And right now, as the law stands, the FDA cannot say that any ingredient in a beauty product is safe. This ingredient is unsafe or this ingredient can be safely used at 1% of your product. So they don't have the ability to like confer safety information to the consumers. They can't make any of those claims. And that's the Thing that Congress like wanted to focus on. And the most, th- the thing this would impact the most in terms of companies is like they would have to reformulate from their products if this law was passed, which would obviously bankrupt and like make a lot of companies really have to question this. And as you can imagine, ingredients that are better for you are going to cost more money. And that's oftentimes why these companies like don't get better ingredients is because they want to cut their margins and it's super cheap to just put chemicals in their product. So that's kind of why any sort of bill in Congress that, ch- that challenges capitalism, like, often doesn't become into law because all of the makeup there's like a huge coalition of lobbyists that all work for these like big makeup conglomerates that like don't want the rules to get changed so where did the like word clean even come from though and the history of this is interesting the term popped up in the 1970s there was a cover girl campaign called the clean makeup campaign and it was all about the visual aesthetics of like a fresh face like no makeup makeup look but fast forward to times now 
the clean beauty word kind of has a new meaning to it, right? Like there was the launch of the brand Ren in early 2000s. And it was like the Swedish word for clean, which was like the founding of this company. Um, And as you can see now, I think the biggest difference between like early 2010s is now when I think of clean, natural beauty, you think of hippie granola stuff. You think of someone putting like honey on their eyebrows and calling it like boy brow. You know what I mean? Like it's not sophisticated. And now in 2023, the clean brands are still looking as competitive to the most toxic brands out there. Like I'm thinking of Say Beauty, like their packaging is like beautiful and other ones we're going to mention in the end. Um, It's really changed the landscape. And I think another you know, the, the natural beauty and organic beauty market is supposed to reach about a value of $22 billion by 2024. Um, but now I think after brands have gotten more technical, like brands that didn't give a fuck about clean beauty and consumer safety have to. Almost every brand feels this consumer pressure to know what's in your product, to have this transparency. And even if brands don't end up changing their products, they sure as hell virtue signal. signal. Like that's kind of a thing. I've, I've listened to a podcast about... um progressive change a long time ago and it was talking about this idea like let's what do you what do you feel ethically if let's say like a chick-fil-a has a pride flag but you know that they are closed on sundays like has a history of like homophobia in the company but yet they wave a pride flag obviously that's shitty in terms of like the marginalized groups like it's like a haha like we're making we're not actually like a company that has supports our values but it is interesting to look at the fact that companies that are that do have bad practices discriminatory practices feel a pressure to look like they give a fuck that pressure wasn't there 10 years ago um it's not a good thing it's just like an interesting thing that i think with clean beauty all these brands have to like care about it now um and kind of the history of brands in the sphere it started with a lot of small indie brands in the clean space think of like tatcha drunk elephant indie lee they could have this loyal following of like the people that were really curious about ingredients and transparency, but these brands on their own really could not make a dent in the entire beauty industry. And so now these brands have kind of banded together in a certain way, kind of like a fuck you to all the brands that don't care about consumers. And now they're kind of eroding this dollar share of legacy prestige brands. Um, And I think it originally, you know, the messaging of these brands kind of started as like non-toxic, pure, safe, but now it's kind of moved to clean as like the biggest word around it. Another thing in kind of the the historical context is like this kind of paralleled with the clean eating movement in the early 2010s of like, I don't want to have processed sugar. I don't want to have artificial things in my body. And I think that also helped clean beauty take off to have that kind of happening in the health and wellness industry and like the, the food politics, diet culture, whatever the hell, because um, people could pair two, two together. It was kind of this feeling of what clean is. And that's why it kind of focused people away from like, what does the definition actually mean of clean? Like when a brand slaps that's on its product. Um, and now, you know, we have like Sephora is forced to have a clean beauty section, but there also are these like clean only beauty places like Folane, Credo, Detox Market that showcase particular brands. Um, now getting into the buzzwords, which is kind of the the brunt of this episode that, yeah, clean beauty is kind of not really um, what you think it is. There's a consensus among the industry people that say that clean refers to a product that favors natural ingredients, yet often incorporates synthetics that have been deemed safe for the people and planet. So what does that mean? Like a clean beauty product doesn't mean that it is natural. It doesn't mean that it's organic, which is kind of hard to put your head in because I think of all these buzzwords of clean, non-toxic, natural, organic, whatever, all the same. Uh, So clean doesn't really mean chemical free. It just claims to, quote, be natural and safe for people like that. So 
it's like natural it's like the the rectangle square kind of fucking thing where it's like natural can be clean but clean is not always natural it's just free of certain man-made ingredients like parabens and different agents and shit like that and so overall if you're hearing this like okay so is it all fake or should i be worried like it's obviously there's a split consensus on this there's been about 617 cosmetic markers that have reported using chemicals linked to cancer birth defects etc but it's really important to consider the dose like if you're taking a little bit of blush and putting it on your face a lot of these chemicals are only dangerous in really high concentrations so there's not a lot of scientific evidence to kind of say that the cumulative effect to like putting makeup on your face every single day is going to give you cancer. Like we haven't had that like linkage yet. Yeah. And another word that I think is worth talking about is endocrine disruptors. Now, granted, this is not a marketing term that beauty brands are using when they're marketing their products, but it is something that's discussed in relation to beauty and whether that's clean beauty or not clean beauty. This is largely, I think, discussed from like health and wellness professional people or really like hippie natural freaks uh what is an endocrine disruptor though these are going to be the man-made chemicals or natural chemicals that have the ability to mimic or interfere with the body's hormones this is definitely a term that i've been seeing having more conversation about on tiktok especially since i think there's been a huge rise in kind of female hormones and balancing your hormones and endocrine disruptors are one area that I think a lot of people are starting to put a lot of focus into. And these really can harm the nervous system and lead to other health harms as well. The issue, though, is that like testing and assessing the public health effects is a huge challenge when it comes to endocrine disruptors because we're exposed to multiple endocrine disruptors on a regular daily basis, aka then it's like really hard to drill down on which specific ones are the most harmful or which ones lead to what specific negative effects because you could eliminate endocrine disruptors from perhaps your kitchen supplies, but then you might be exposing yourself to endocrine disruptors from your deodorant or from your mascara. And many chemicals that are found in beauty products do fall under the category of endocrine disruptors. These can include like toxic metals, parabens, phthalates, you name it. And really it's like when the skin is exposed or absorbs these chemicals, they can interact with like hormone systems, influencing regulation and metabolism. So this is especially concerning for pregnant women and phthalates specifically can target estrogen and testosterone receptors. So when you are buying whatever personal care product, whether it's beauty or skincare or even body care, definitely just like look out for phthalates or parabens on the ingredient list because that does put you at great risk. Now, granted, I don't want to say that like you're going to fully be able to ever remove endocrine disruptors from your system because we just live in a really shitty society where that's nearly impossible nowadays. But there are certain areas where you can limit your exposure to a certain extent. And then that gets into carcinogens because this falls kind of under the same camp. And so there's the International Agency for Research on Cancer or IARC. And they're an intergovernmental agency and they're part of the WHO. And they basically collab and do a lot of cancer research. And they've basically have found that of the 113 chemicals or agents that the IARC considers carcinogens, which are basically type of chemicals or products or ingredients that can lead to cancer, 11 have been used in personal care products. And again, this is like a full list. I'm not going to list all of them because I honestly can't even pronounce half of them. But some of them are like coal tar, benzene, untreated or mildly treated mineral oils, methylene glycol, uh, chromium, cadmium, and other compounds that are arsenic and castellane silica or quartz. 
And so all these carcinogens can pop up like in nail polish, mascara, shampoo, blush, scalp treatments, et cetera. There's a website actually called safecosmetics.org that provides a full list and kind of gets more granular into these particular ingredients and where they're most commonly found. So I definitely recommend going on there if you're wanting to maybe create some sort of shopping guide for yourself. Um, But I think one thing to notice that like the most vulnerable populations, granted, yeah, are going to be everyone, but it is largely for babies, pregnant women, and women of color, mainly because with babies, this is like their early years of development for children. And then women of color are typically like aggressively marketed, like heavily towards heavily for certain products that are going to contain a lot of these chemicals, whether it's like certain like hair products or like skincare products. Yeah, to get into the next point, and this is kind of confusing, like I had to read this part a million times in order to get it. Cosmetics as a category are going to be regulated by the FDA, but they're not FDA approved. And here's what that means. So major laws do not require these cosmetic products ingredients other than things like color additives to have FDA approval before they go to market. So there's like the brand and there's the FDA. The FDA is regulating these private brands, but there are laws that regulate what um or have regulate the cosmetics market when it comes to interstate commerce which is just like if you buy something in new york and you're shipping it to california that's what it means in terms of the states um so the fda has advised manufacturers to use whatever testing is necessary to ensure the safety of their products ingredients so if you hear that sentence it's all voluntary kind of what these manufacturers do if you can imagine someone starting off a company and you don't have a lot of capital You're not going to go put the fanciest, most expensive certification on your product because you do not have the funds to do so versus a million dollar company that's like chump change for them to go get, you know, some third party testing on their product. The most important laws relating to this cosmetics market in the U.S. are going to be the Federal Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act and then the Fair Packaging and Labeling Act. And so obviously these look at the ingredients and then kind of look what's going on in the packaging in terms of these words like clean and natural. Uh, One example of like FDA regulation and kind of like makes it feel really sad and like gloomy uh, is three years ago, all of the makeup products at Claire's, you guys know where you get your ears pierced. Um, they obviously are their main demographic is teenagers, right? Um, they tested positive for the presence of abestos in their products, which is a really well-known drug that has been linked to, or uh, mineral that has been linked to things like cancer and lung disease. So when this kind of debacle went down, Claire's didn't get in trouble. The FDA just had to recommend them to recall the products. There was no like way they could legally file a claim against Claire's. And so Claire's was like let off the hook. Claire's basically disputed these test results, but they ultimately like recalled the products, even though the FDA like didn't have the authority to like act on this. So Claire's like didn't have to do anything, even though they had like one of the best known like cancer substances in their fucking products, which is insane to me. So it's kind of like this question, like, does anything ever happen when it comes to government regulating brands? So the FDA can actually take regulatory action if they think there's like enough information. If a product is either adulterated or misbranded, adulterated means like really suspicious chemicals and like weird shit in it. And misbranded is just like lying to consumers. The FDA could go through the Department of Justice and federal court system to remove these cosmetic markets, but most of the time, like, we're not going through these hurdles to actually regulate products. You know, one hopeful note on this, though, is that, like, even though the federal government has done jack shit, it's forced states to come together to propose more comprehensive regulation. Oftentimes, the United States, like California, has extremely progressive House and Senate in the state government. They will pass some of the most progressive laws. And then if you look at like federal laws in five years, they kind of are copy like mimicking what's happening in California. 
So California passed this bill that banned 25 different toxic ingredients. And overall, even though it is just a bill that applies to California, this could have major impacts on the cosmetic market at whole because California is such a big market. Like California is the eighth biggest economy in the world, let alone like United States. So with about 40 million people, it might force brands to start producing clean products because like most brands are not going to want to make a product that is like only allowed in California and then the rest of the U.S. So that's something that could be interesting to to watch and then actually in december of 2022 biden signed this huge like ominous spending bill and about like 3,500 pages had this thing called like the modernization of cosmetics regulation act it gave the federal government just like more power to regulate the beauty industry now we'll see actually what the fuck happens government in the u.s doesn't really do stuff oftentimes um but it was like this advocacy work from the clean beauty sector to lobby congress to like raise the standards and regulations so the majority the majority of the legislation I'm so sorry, listeners, is giving the FDA authority over things that most brands kind of were already doing. Um, So it's not going to be that big of a change. As an example, like the Credo Clean Beauty Standard, which I'll talk about now, is actually more robust than what's being passed at Congress. So there's still like a lot of ways to go in terms of legislation. And Credo, if you don't know, is a clean beauty retailer. I think they're one of the first. Um, They actually ban 2,700 mainstream beauty ingredients, which raises the safety and sustainability standards like way higher than the federal threshold and like way higher than like what's going on at major beauty retailers. Um, And it kind of poses the question of like, okay, yeah, Sephora and these places have clean beauty standard, but they're still not as rigid as a place like Credo. So it kind of depends on your like care about this whole like clean beauty spiel. Like, do I only want to shop at Credo and kind of really have to change my makeup routine? Or am I like fine with like clean at Sephora? Because like my personal question is like, or my personal answer to it is like, I still have my Glossier that is definitely not quote clean. It's not even probably trying to be clean. Um, should I change that? Probably. Maybe I'll reflect after this episode and go through all of my beauty and like really criticize the shit out of it. So who knows? Um, there's some noise occurring in the background. I don't know where that came from, but I think it's gone now. Anyway, I want to get into kind of greenwashing and how to spot it because I'm sure a lot of people have no idea if they're getting greenwashed or not when it comes to buying beauty. Same for me. I'm sure some people saw perhaps in the news, maybe you didn't, that Sephora is facing a lawsuit for allegedly engaging in false advertising via its collection of clean beauty products. And the Sephora clean beauty section is just part of their website and also in store that is reserved for products that Sephora denotes as quote unquote clean or are formulated without parabens, sulfates, SLE, SLES, phthalates, mineral oils, and more. However, there's still like a significant number of products under the clean at Sephora, whatever cohort of inventory that contain ingredients that are still inconsistent with how consumers understand the term clean. This is again, because clean is not regulated. So brands can kind of use this in whatever way that they wish when it comes to marketing and like their products. For example, there was a mascara product that still contained like several synthetic ingredients shown to cause possible harm that was still under the quote unquote clean collection at Sephora. And this is a perfect example of greenwashing because you go to Sephora to the clean session section, assuming that you're getting some quote unquote like natural product that is not going to do harm to you, yet there are still harmful ingredients in that said product. And so I would say the best way to do a gut check to know if you're greenwashing is to look for certain seals of approval. For example, Leaping Bunny is independently independently investigates the brands, ingredients, and suppliers to confirm they are cruelty-free. So if you are someone who definitely prioritizes like cruelty-free makeup and skincare, definitely look for that. I think it's just literally a little bunny on the product. 
And clean products will generally also have like a shorter ingredient list. So that's like an easy way for you to kind of do a quick check without, you know, having to do a shit ton of research. Another is to really look for ingredients that end in either paraben or sulfate. Again, these are endocrine disruptors. And the four, there's like four that are like the most common ingredients in these categories, which are like propyl paraben, methyl paraben, ethyl paraben, and sodium laureth sulfate. So if you see these on the list, you definitely want to keep away from those. And then you can also just see if a brand has any sort of sustainability section on their site that actually goes in depth with like mission perhaps like ingredients that they swear that they do not use and et cetera. Because if a brand is saying that they have clean stuff or they're, you know, prioritizing clean, clean beauty or don't use certain ingredients, but then don't really go any further in terms of like what that actually means. That's definitely like a big red flag. So they're probably just using that solely for marketing purposes. Yeah, totally. I remember when I was at Cat Beauty, like a big thing around toothpaste, which I know someone asked to talk about was like making sure it's SLS free. Um, so that kind of applies to the toothpaste category. Now, this next part, um, I think with this whole clean beauty movement, there's been a demonization, kind of like how dietitians are like what that Olipop rant, how they like make videos and be like, this is so bad. Like a lot of this clean beauty, not a lot. I'm not going to say like the biggest clean beauty brands have been doing it, but there's definitely just like internet freaks that start to get in this part of demonizing preservatives. Um, if anything has any chemical in it, it is bad for you. You know, like the super hippie granola take that if it has a chemical in it, it is leading to cancer, um, which is obviously wrong. And when it comes to beauty products, if you want your products to make it from the facility, get shipped to you, make it to you last, you know, you traveling to the Bahamas and back. It It's like, if you want your products not to expire, you need some preservatives for it to last. Just as food has a best buy date and an expiration date, like beauty products are kind of, it would be kind of scary if something didn't have preservatives. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't need preservatives, right? Like if you want to have like a Manuka honey mask, like yeah, just put some honey on your face. Like there's not, I'm not saying everything has to have preservatives, but like, for example, Ilia Beauty, if anyone knows it, um, like their products and I tried their slip tint and I think I saw a TikTok about this because I was like, thank the fuck God, no one has ever spoken about this. So just a really nice like base layer. It's super clean, obviously, like that's their brand ethos and you can tell it through their imagery and like branding. But that product smells like Play-Doh. When I opened it, I was like, I cannot put this on my face. And I think like Ilya might have commented on like this person's TikTok about the smell of the product and be like, hey, bestie, yeah, it's because we don't use preservatives in our products and we're like a natural brand. So I think that's something to consider. Like, once again, clean beauty doesn't have to be all natural. In the 21st century, like the science of beauty has evolved so much to have a plethora of safe synthetic products, safe man man ingredients, and even safe preservatives. So like all cosmetics should probably contain some sort of preservatives to maintain the stability of the formula because once again we have the science now to like know what a safe synthetic is and that's not to say that brands are going to always add safe synthetics like we spoke about like most brands aren't doing jack shit but we do have the technology to have like high quality stuff that isn't like what they would have made in the stone ages for fucking makeup like we don't need to rub like weird flowers in the woods on our face we have stuff that we can make like actual blush out of um and is are there dangers of natural products i think one thing is that natural ingredients can have risks too. Like if you put essential oils all over your face, you could break out and get dermatitis from that. Um, you know, nat- all natural products can include ingredients that are oftentimes less tested. 
like for efficacy, irritation, and shelf life than these these normal kind of cosmetic products. Um, and there's this whole weird area of skincare that like I saw and I was really like appalled by in the beginning of like pollution skincare. Like you live in a city, here's a different you know type of product that you need i was like this is all marketing gimmicks and even if it is true like yes if you're living in a place like new york city it's a lot more polluted than other cities duh but the fact that it's like on the consumers to have some sort of panic about the fact that like since the 1970s like we have just deregulated environmental shit and fossil fuels rule everything and billionaires have gotten so many fucking tax breaks but i'm supposed to care about the fact that i can't afford some like fucking pollution serum thing like we've private we've privatized this solution about the climate crisis and the public health crisis to making individuals feel like you need to go buy your way out of it and that's why like it's frustrating too because I was listening to a TikTok from someone in the beauty space talking about makeup and beauty products and skincare. And someone was making an argument of like, I don't want to have skincare. I just want to wash my face with water, which like you can totally do. But the person made the point of like, hey, we kind of need skincare now because our air quality and our water quality sucks. Um, I don't know if you've had that experience, Emma, but sometimes when I leave New York, I feel like my skin gets a lot better. Um, so it kind of sucks that like the climate crisis is kind of making people like need products more than previously too. Oh yeah. My skin is always glowing when I'm in Nebraska. And whenever I come back to New York, I immediately get this three or four little zits on my chin that yep. just refuse to go away. And it's really frustrating your because New York, New York I, like, I never take photos of myself in New York because I look like a crusty snail. But then when I'm home, I'm like a glowing goddess. And yeah. that is unfortunately the struggle that we have to deal with. Yeah. So like this whole episode, it's like, we live in society, everyone, like pollution, climate change, like you only can control so much when it comes to like access and also like what you want to spend products on. So just consider that and consider that kind of this is an area where there needs a lot more regulation for clean to really mean anything. So like, yeah, I mean, I think I've started to like become aware of clean beauty just from my background of like, I didn't really wear a lot of makeup. And then I worked at a green beauty store. And that's kind of like how I got access to brands and like knowledge of brands. Um, But it's not like it's not once again, going to kill you. Um, It's not the worst thing ever. It's just an aspect of your life. If you want to someone to follow that I really love her content, Charlotte Palermino. She's the co-founder of Do Skin. They're kind of famous for those like under eye masks. They have a serum and other products now. She's a licensed esthetician and she's a really great presence on TikTok to talk often about beauty bullshit. Um, And she went to school to kind of study all of the regulations and chemistry and shit like that that goes into the cosmetics industry. So she's really knowledgeable on the fact. And then when it comes to looking into more research and information, maybe if you have a question, I would check out the Environmental Working Group. So they're a health advocacy group that I mentioned at the top of the episode. They've helped spearhead the clean beauty movement along with campaigns like in other lobbying groups um, against Congress. So they probably had the most interaction when it comes to like laws on the books, I would say. Yeah. And then there's a few clean beauty brands that Kate and I both like, obviously, you know, do your own research that for whatever brands when you are shopping, but a few that I like Sarisha Beauty, they have a really nice facial oil. I think it's made by some woman by her own hands in Canada, probably in her little fucking kitchen. Um, And then Living Libations, which is similar. They have a lot of like oil-based products. Um, I think they're on Cat Beauty. They're really nice. And RMS Beauty too, which I feel like is one of the OG kind of clean beauty brands. Yeah. Two of my favorites are Say Beauty and then Ilia Beauty, which I both mentioned. I think they kind of master that, like, having good quality stuff that's not super minimal, not super granola. Because I know a lot of, like, the, quote, clean beauty products you can see at, like, a Credo Beauty 
are going to be like a blush that's made out of beeswax and that you have to like rub on with your fingers. And if you want something that's like a makeup girly makeup thing, I would suggest those two brands. Um, so yeah, those are the, that's the clean beauty app. I hope you guys learned a lot, Emma. I feel like I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I, like I said, do not pay much attention to my beauty or skincare because I really barely use anything. My routines are slim to nothing. Um, but yeah, I'm sure if there's girlies who are super into beauty and super into skincare, I'm sure you guys already know a lot of this information or hopefully you learn even more. Yeah. And if you have any more information, obviously post it in Geneva and the podcast channel. We love seeing you guys chat in there. Um, always leave us new episodes and something like this is Emma and I are very fluid with like what episodes we think about and you know having done a hundred and something episodes there's only so much we can chat about in this little world um, yeah. that being said I'm gonna go get an Epsom salt bath it's 7 p.m. Uh, yeehaw over here on the Sunday night how about you dog um, I'm either gonna stretch or go on a walk I haven't decided I'm also going to make pickled red onions at some point tonight too. love that for you got the pickled red onion sesh um Thank you, lovely listeners. We will chat with you next Tuesday. Um, For now, you can go like the memes and we'll talk to you then. Bye.